Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Here it is and here it goes. We're off to the races. I've had my caffeine this morning. I'm excited to keep up with our guest today because she is an absolute badass. She is, in my opinion, the queen of content, the content queen. But watch out. I'm not going to say just like in Alice in Wonderland, but she has strong opinions. The queen sure does. And she's going to smash myths. She's going to tell us like it is. And we may be doing things wrong. And if so, she's not going to mince any words. I can't wait to chat with her. Back for her second time, the owner and CEO of Every Little Word, Kristen Sweeney. Welcome back. Casey, so happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me back yeah. again. You know, on our first show, we, we got into a lot of different things and smashed around. And now we're back and we're just going to do a deep dive. I can't wait to get into this topic. So let me shut up and stop rambling and pass you this thing. It's heavy, but I know you're stronger than I am. Here we go. Take Thor's hammer. Smash for me. Oh, there you go. Some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. All right. This might be ad dramatic, but I'm going to say that most of what you think about thought leadership is wrong. So the myth generally is thought leadership and what the heck it is. Uh, and before we go too far, I just want to brag on my, my four-year-old for a second because she just learned how to say Thor with a TH. When it hits that, Ooh, that hammer, it really job. reminded the me of it. So proud of her. Yes. Yeah. Thank yes. you. Uh, okay. And clearly her mom wields it like <laughs> it's a feather. So, so hold on. You you just you did a little shots fired here then went off on a tangent about your family. I did. Most of what we think thought leadership is wrong. Most of what we're we think just... about thought leadership is wrong. So if you wow. were to be on content marketing LinkedIn, I'll say, and you were to read the posts about thought leadership, you would likely draw the conclusion that thought leadership equals posting on LinkedIn. So that's like kind of where I want to start, which is that thought leadership isn't, it's not channel specific. You can be a thought leader on LinkedIn, 100%. You can be a thought leader in an email newsletter, on a blog post, in a byline, in a media, a trade publication, uh, on a webinar, in a speaking engagement, in person. Thought leadership is not in a, a podcast. channel. On a podcast, yes. of course. Yes. <laughs> it is, it's not a channel. It's not the place where you show up. In fact, the point is that it is actually what you have to say. A um, couple other things about thought leadership. Thought leadership isn't data. It's not statistics. Um, I think I see this happen when companies and talk about this kind of get a directive to like outsource thought leadership. So what they're trying to do is come up with research that that sort of sounds smart, right? Um, data and statistics are great. They're important. And especially if you're going to make some kind of like broad generalization about something, it is useful to have statistics and data to back it up. But what turns that information into thought leadership is actually what you do with it. So the analysis from that data, the conclusions you draw, the inferences you draw, saying like, what does that now mean for how people should act accordingly? How should we proceed? What should we do differently? What trends do we think are coming? Like everything that comes out of the information is what has the potential to be the thought leadership. Throwing a stat uh, into your piece of content is not in and of itself thought leadership. 80% of our listeners here on this show are absolutely awesome. And the other 20% are just good. Yeah, <laughs> random stats. Like, so what, is, what, do, what do you mean, Casey? What do, I hear you, right? People just throwing stats around. It's like, cool, fine. So to what end, so what? right, is the whole yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. there's this really interesting tangent. Um, when I was training as a yoga teacher, which I, I taught for many years, one of the concepts we used was like a so that, like do this so that. And it's just kind of that you could also frame it as like, so what, right? And that's kind of the question that I think thought leadership content really 
seeks to answer is like, okay, that that data, that's interesting. And and what now? What is your unique perspective on what that data means and what it implies? Um, oh. Another big one that I, I'm really starting to hear lately is, and I really feel for marketing folks in, in this position, is there's kind of a, a directive that comes down from above and it's like, we need to do thought leadership. We just need to do it. And I think what that often means is like, somehow find some way to make us be thought leaders. And there's this sort of outsourcing of the whole responsibility. Well, at its core, thought leadership is somebody with expertise sharing their perspective. So if, if a marketing team is tasked with sort of like rep creating thought leadership for a company in a vacuum, they're really not set up to succeed. It actually needs to involve subject matter experts people with opinions who know what they're talking about. And if you don't have that buy-in, it's going to be really difficult to create thought leadership content. The other kind of aspect of that is thought. I like, I'm, I'm a words person. I believe in the accuracy of language. Language can create ideas. So I'm going to be really nitpicky here. But I prefer thinking about a company of thought leaders versus our company is a thought leader. Because thought leaders, it implies individuals. So it's an individual perspective, right? This is why you see on a platform like, like LinkedIn, the elevation of individual profiles, because people are craving that thought leadership content. They're craving someone's unique perspective based on their own experience and like sharing what that experience is. So it's, it's authored is kind of a term you might think about, right? Thought leadership isn't the company. Again, it's a company of thought lead, one or more thought mm. leaders, but those thought leaders are are real people that you can connect back to. What is it about that real quick? Uh, what is it about the human element? And I, I totally sense what you're saying because yeah. on LinkedIn, the company pages are followed by meh people, but struggle. the people are followed by thousands, right? You, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of followers, whereas company pages are just sort of like dust bowls. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of that is LinkedIn has probably to some extent perpetuated that, right? It started as Not a sure. network of a connections network. And so I think that's still what they prioritize is person to person connection. So there's a, a point where kind of getting like there's some probably strategic choices made by the platform to create that dynamic. But I would say, I mean, let me ask you what what happens when you have to work with three other people to hammer something out? Like the end product, yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like group work, but it reflects often a compromise. And sometimes what comes out is, is better, no doubt. But I, I think it, it also can get, especially in content, a little watered down, right? A little diminished. You've got to have a little bit more consensus. Um, and I think the strong connection of one individual being able to say, these are my experiences, this is my perspective, it tends to let people be a bit more forceful, um, a bit more kind of just out there and honestly a little looser, right? Company, mm -hmm. you want to be a little more buttoned up with, with your approach. On LinkedIn, you've got one individual or again, on a webinar, in a blog post, like it's, it's perceived as that one individual's perspective. And usually that means uh, perhaps a stronger point of view. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's what we want too. The watered down is typically not what we're looking for. And even, even thinking like email deliverability, right? The emails that come through, the ones we look at are the ones written by a person. Yeah. And we want to know Kristen's perspective, not, you know, this, this organization yeah. who may, we may or may not care about. Then there's like this other set of misconceptions about what thought leadership is. And these misconceptions are very mindset focused and they hold back a lot of people, I think, from feeling like they're good enough or from doing thought leadership content. Sure. So ideas like I have to have the audience first, right? If I'm, if I'm just some small player in my industry, I just have a, a small but growing company you know, who, who am I? This, this idea of imposter syndrome. So um, you don't have to have a huge audience to be a thought leader. In fact, I might argue that by 
how, the way you build an audience is by starting to put yourself out there and starting to represent your opinion and finding yeah. the people who agree with you. Um, thought leadership can can be controversial, but and certainly you will have to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and be willing to have people disagree with you. But I've talked with people who are like, well, like, I'm not a bomb thrower, basically. And it's like, that doesn't have to be thought leadership, right? It doesn't right. have to be riling people up and being as controversial as you possibly can. That might be some people's approach, but you might end up saying something that actually people really, really agree with. They just never thought of it that way before. Or the particular words you chose to express yourself really hit differently with them. So it's not inherently controversial. It is bold, right? Um, but yeah, I think just this idea that like, if I'm small or, oh, well, someone else in my space is already saying that. Yeah, sure, of course there are. Like, there aren't that many new ideas out there in the world, right? But if you think about, you know, the people you resonate with or the books you choose to read or the kinds of TV shows you watch, like themes are the same, ideas are the same, but the way they show up hits differently with different people. And so what you have to bring to the table is kind of your unique voice, your perspective, your experience. Yes, you might be talking about the same stuff and even expressing similar ideas as other people, but that doesn't mean that there's not something unique and worth sharing in, in what you have to say. And, you know, at our company, our mission is to share great ideas with the world. So this piece of folks who feel like not empowered to call themselves thought leaders or create thought leadership content because they think no one cares, that piece is really, really important to me that, that those folks feel like they have, um, you know, the, the right, I guess, to sort of share their opinion as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I love that we've, we've talked tactics, but then we had to shift to really talk mindset because I can even relate to the idea of we, what are those little holdups that are holding me back from yeah. putting out my thoughts on XYZ on podcasting and whatnot. It might be a little bit, a bit of a mindset. I, I, I squared some of the words. I mean, there's so many good things here. Uh, and we do show notes, but there's some words that just stood out to me. Bold stood out to me. Tell me about how, is it important to be bold? Is it, do you be yourself or wh where does bold fit into this? I think bold is about not watering down who you actually are. So, you know, for myself, and I'm sure it will come through in this conversation, I have strong opinions, but I also think it's very important. I have nuances. I have caveats. It's not everybody. Sometimes this, like those exceptions are important too. So the overall opinion might be bold, but it's not shallow. Right. And, but, but I think the point is I of trying not to water yourself down because you're afraid of how it will be perceived. I think that's what I mean by bold. It doesn't have to be revolutionary necessarily. Um, I think in many cases we, we underestimate what might be revolutionary to our customers, right? We, we mm -hmm. they know so yeah. much more than they do when really some things that are core to what we do, some of the things we think are, that we take the most for granted. I know this has been my experience. Those things would like blow your customers' minds if you would share it, Yeah, right? Totally. That happened to me when I was, I was drafting my, my book on marketing automation and it was this lofty concept of lead to revenue and mapping out the process. And, and I remember sharing that with the CEO of a bank one time. It was like a mid-sized regional bank in their office. We're, we're there to teach them stuff. And, and I'm at the dry erase board and I'm like, okay, this lead to revenue thing. And his eyes are just glazing over. Like he is getting glaucoma just looking at me, right? He's just, <laughs> he does not know what's going on. And I'm thinking, okay, he doesn't even know what this is. Let me go back to the basics in my mind. Uh, marketing automation, capture, nurture, automate, blah, blah, blah. And I start going through it. And then he just like awakes up, you know, and his yeah. eyes clear like yeah. he was in Lord of, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, right? He just, now suddenly he's there. And I thought, okay, me. And I actually struck the whole previous book. I was like, you know what? Kill this thing 30% through it. I'm like, murder it, starting over. Publisher was like, what? Hard. Yeah. But we shifted. We're like, you know what? Exactly your point. 
what is basic to you because maybe you've been swimming in it for years is may still be revolutionary to someone else. And yeah. you got to cover those basics. Ah, man, that's great advice. Yeah. You mentioned, so I, by the way, I totally get it on the bold. Don't water down who you actually are. That's really powerful. Um, that's really, I, I feel like everyone needs to do that. And we talk about authentic, but yeah, just, I mean, how often are we filtering ourselves? Not for the better, like on Instagram, but just like, you know, some, something silly you want to say. In my case, it's always <laughs> something silly I want to say. And that, oh, you didn't say it because you want to appear more serious or someone else that maybe you yeah. think that will appeal to who you're talking to, you know? Well, and the other thing is I'm, I'm very passionate about what's happening in your company being mirrored and what happens in your marketing and your content. So kind of like, that's what they're going to get anyway, if they work with you, right? They're going to get you. Okay. And so you may as well get it out there in the beginning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're going to get those, those perspectives. Um, so, you know, help the right people find you by being, you know, transparent about, you know, what they can expect, honestly. Yeah. You know, like I think of Thor's hammer that I passed you earlier. By the way, it's the real Thor's hammer. Um, That's why. And I a shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Christina who found it for me somewhere He's in big. some, you know, some mythical place. She found it and got it for me for my birthday. And I used to pretend to pass the hammer over to people. And when I got the real one, I thought, let's do this. But it definitely catches people by surprise. And, and I feel like every time I do it, Early on, it was a moment to say like, oh, are they not going to think I'm as professional and maybe I'm a superhero because I have the real Thor's hammer, but I've just sort of grown to actually enjoy people's reactions, especially if they're like, what the hell is this? How do you feel you do with that same topic? Are you yourself? Are you authentic? Are there any hangups that you find that you kind of filter yourself on? Yeah, working on it every day. Um, you know, recently, personally, I've made an effort to be more active on LinkedIn. Uh, we sure. started an email newsletter. Well, that's been going almost a year now. Um, so I find that conversations like this, where I'm focusing on talking to you and trying not to think about whoever's going to watch this eventually. My son, me... John, shout out. Shout yeah. out to John. <laughs> Let me be, uh, I think, more myself. And then for me, of course, it's writing because that's where, that's a medium that's good for me. Now, what's interesting is that obviously we are a content company. So we do a lot of writing for these thought leaders. Most of the people we work with, writing is not the way that helps <laughs> them most authentically and boldly express who they are. Writing is mm. very often a source of frustration, a source of um, insecurity. They get imposter syndrome. They're intimidated by the blank page. They're editing before they even really get started. So, you know, what we end up doing is help having, we find that a lot of folks we work with are, are better at talking about it. And they have this kind of conversation. They feel really comfortable. And then we go away and, and do the polishing and the filtering and, and, you know, kind of deliver them back a product that says, now here's your, those thoughts written down in a narrative, your ideas captured. Whereas if they had had to actually have the thoughts and then write them down, it, it wouldn't get done, frankly. No. So for me, writing works well. And it's a place where I feel like I can be bolder, but I've definitely seen that's not the case for everyone. Yeah, it's a great point too, that if you're out of your your comfort medium, that maybe you might not, you know, be fully present in or without some practice. Yeah, yeah. Or some intention. 100%. The other word you mentioned was unique. How important, I, so I've grown up always wanting to be, I don't need to be this or this or this, but I'd love to be unique. You know, I, what is it about that word? What is it about that as it's expressed yeah. in content that is so important? So I would say this goes back to honestly being just sort of bold and and comfortable with who you are. I think unique is we're all special flowers. <laughs> like I really, at the end of the day, I know this is getting awfully philosophical for a marketing That's conversation. That's what we're here for. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think the biggest challenge is not to be unique but to 
just let figure out the best way to let that out. Right. Mm. Now, that being said, here come the caveats, caveats. Um, not everyone is interested in thought leadership, and that is perfectly fine. Whether they're whether they have no ideas, that's not the same. But like not everyone necessarily thinks along the lines of how am I thinking differently about my industry? I, I really want to share these ideas. This is an important way for me to connect or get my voice out there. Like, and that's totally okay. But everyone is still unique. Everyone still has a unique perspective. And I think that's just, again, virtue of who you are. No one has had your set of experiences. No one has your exact lens on the world. No one would describe um, your opinions in, in the same way that you would. It's already there. You are just dropping these amazing truth bombs on me and I'm sure everyone listening today. Uh, one of the things I just got from that was not to be, just like we're not going to do thought leadership, we're not going to be unique because you already are well, and it's just hard. letting it out. So letting it out from yourself as a person, but also letting your content, your content has the ability, you have the experiences that are unique to anyone. I mean, no one else has your experiences. So to capture those fully on a piece of paper, back to the very earliest point about not having the group think that washes away all the very particular experience points and feelings that might have been around it. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Good stuff. I'm, I, I, have the, I have the mindset shifts now that I'm really excited. So do we want to talk about what, what it is? So I think at the end of the day, thought leadership is, a thought leader is someone who has expertise in a certain area and is willing to share that expertise. That's like, it doesn't have to be that much more complicated than that. Um, there's a lot of nuance around that. Like you could be a thought leader that's more customer facing. Yeah. You could be a thought leader that's more peer facing. I think it's important to know sort of who you're, who you're talking to and, and why you care about that. So. One example that comes to mind for me is, I think this is, um, I want to be very careful how I, how I phrase this because I don't want to insult anyone because um, it's not what I need. No, help. let it out. <laughs> let it out. So, all right. Be bold. So let's say that, um, you know, you're an early stage SaaS company and you've sort of made like a couple pivots to find the right industry. Right. And now you have sort of landed on an industry that your product can serve. Well, if you determine that you want to be a thought leader, you have to really ask yourself, like, are you a thought leader in that industry? Because if right. you if you kind of, you know, you were a, a little bit of product in search of a home, right, then sure. you may or may not have the actual expertise to speak to that industry on the right level. And when you try and like bring those things together, there's conflict because when you start ending up being like, well, what could we research to, to be thought leaders? You're, you're having the wrong conversation, right? Now, mm. you might be able to be, if you're the CEO of that company, a thought leader about SaaS, right? Or about tech or about your particular platform or something else that you know really, really well. And, but maybe not the industry of the customers you serve because that's an industry you're still learning about. Um, so there's like options there. And I think it's important to understand where your core expertise really is. We definitely work with some professional service companies, coaches, consultants. And I love that because even if they're running the business, generally they've done it before. And so it's a nice fit for us because usually they, they have that expertise. It's already very, very baked in to what they do. Um, so they're able to speak from their experience and they have opinions mm. about it, even if they're not a hundred percent in the day to day anymore, they didn't, you know, they kind of grew up in the, in the field. Yeah. And I can definitely see this insecurity going into mindset. If you subconsciously or consciously know that maybe you don't really have thought leadership on that topic. Is there a way that you're able to, to vet your clients or, or are there certain questions you can ask to figure out if that topic just isn't ready yet? Like 
put it back in the oven. We don't have expertise there yet. Yeah, when we're first talking with clients, so a lot of times the way we actually start engagements is with a content assessment. And so there's an in-depth questionnaire, there's competitor research, there's kind of an audit of everything they have already. So through that, one of the things we'll ask is kind of like get an understanding of the company. You know, if we're working with the founders or a marketing lead, we'll be like, well, who are the subject matter experts inside the company? Who are the people who are going to talk to us? And will they talk to us? And can you get their buy-in to talk to us? And can you get their commitment to talk to us? Um, So we definitely want to understand that we do a lot of work with subject matter experts. It's, It's quite interesting because I'm starting to, again, content marketing, LinkedIn world. There's a lot of conversation about that right now. And that's one of those examples where you look at something and and you're like, oh, right, not everybody did it that way. We've we've been that way from the beginning. We're we're so heavily focused on subject matter expert um, content. So yeah, it's part of our conversational process. And, you know, I've had people who we've talked to and and they've said like, yeah, we want to be really hands off. And I've said like, we are not for you. That, and that's okay. Um, you should go a different route, a different approach, because you cannot, you can out, you cannot outsource the thinking of thought leadership. You can outsource yeah. the writing, please come to us, but yes. you cannot outsource the thinking. I'm so glad to see this evolve in the marketing space because I recall being a junior marketer, not knowing any better, and even still remembered, and maybe there, these guys still exist, these like factories of content. and. I remember one particular company and they were kind of weird. Um, the sales rep like was trying to connect with me on Facebook um, before a sales call. It's just really weird. Like, But they they were very much like, give us money and we will crank out content. Mm-hmm. We'll just write it. And it, it always occurred to me that whoever was doing it would have no idea, wouldn't really have any experience. And so what are they, what are we actually putting out there? We're putting out like, garbage you know it's certainly not bold or unique or anything you know to our perspective it's just kind of a poor reflection on what it could be i am always a proponent of great writing so you know i i don't believe that low quality content really has a place anywhere i think it hurts it hurts everyone um i agree but i will say you know there are there are different strategies and if your strategy you know, especially several years ago was very search heavy and it was creating a ton of content so you could rank. And, and that's, that was, you know, it just really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So in certain cases that externally researched content, it seems to have been a very viable model for folks. Uh, It's not something that's ever really interested me, to be honest, in in the way of, not that we don't know what SEO is or use best practices. It's not, it's not that I don't want to go there, but, um, I, one of our core values is hungry to learn. And one of the reasons I'm still doing this today is that I love learning from other people who care about what they're doing. And I love learning from experts. I think it's far more interesting and stimulating than going to research a topic, right? Like I want to, I want to talk to someone. I don't really care if you sell life insurance for a living. If you find this fascinating, like I can get on board with it too, you know? Um, yeah. That passion can be very transferable, that excitement, yeah. that energy for a topic. Yeah. I know people ask me about podcasting, my eyes, you know, well, widen yeah. and I'm full of energy now, whereas maybe a few minutes ago, I was just sort of normal. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've said to people, you know, I've had people say, oh, I'm not, I'm not a thought leader, but I want to do thought leadership. And then in conversation and suddenly you hit on the thing that just like winds them up and you're like, that that's that's the thing for you right you're knowledgeable you have opinions about it um so i think that's really it's yeah it's the thing that kind of gets you going that's how you maybe can sort of like anchor yourself emotionally and feel like i'm i'm on the right track here um the other thing just because we were talking about search a little bit i think one thing that differentiates to me, thought leadership content, and and to be frank, it's one of the challenges of it too, is if you think about content that is where its primary purpose is maybe to be found in search results, primary purpose, mm-hmm. not saying it can't be used other ways or anything like that, Not no reflection on the quality, nothing like that. 
it's generally trying to answer question that that company's audience has, right? Seeking to be right. helpful. And right. Google calls their update the helpful content update. Cool. Thought leadership content, I think of it as it answers the questions your audience hasn't thought to ask yet. It's making them think. And that's hard. It's hard for you. King's hard. Burns a lot of calories. Your brain doesn't like it. Not really. So, but it, it, it is meant to be outside of what your audience, in a lot of ways, what your audience has already considered. And that I think is one big, big differentiator is it's not afraid to bring in, you know, it still should be relevant to the audience, but it's not just a one-to-one transactional asked and answered, asked and answered, right? Right. Because by even definition, if they're not searching for it, they're not going to, it's not, they're not finding it on Google because people aren't searching for that because they don't know it's a thing. They don't know it's a thing. Yeah. They don't know it's a thing. So that's, that's where the leadership comes in. You're doing something, you're out in front. Yep. And now this then begs the question then if they're not going to be searching for it to find it, how do they find it? Oh, distribution. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So this is where, and I mean, this is true for all kinds of content, right? But I think it's really critical that there's a marketing framework in place that is supportive of this. So do you have an active and healthy email list? Well, you can deliver this content via email, right? To that list on a regular basis. You can distribute this content over social media and that can be done all sorts of ways. Um, Not just a link back to it on your blog, but taking bits and pieces, creating graphics, video clips, like all of those things can work around one another. Uh, I personally am a fan of create the long form content first, create the the longest version of the piece. Uh, I think it helps you, not only is it easier to just chop up something long than to work backwards, but it also, it means your ideas, I think are the most well thought out and refined, you've got the through line sort of nailed down in the long form content, and then you repurpose from there. So again, building a social media following and being active, if LinkedIn is going to be your platform of choice, um, there's other things that go along with having good content and having thought leadership content. There's engaging on, you know, there's the engagement piece, right? There's the building your own following, working your own network. So this really sits within uh, it has to have like the right kind of supportive environment. Obviously, there are PR pieces to this too. So, you know, you can work and and work to get placements, earned media, um, having it on your website. And again, is it like buried mm. somewhere in a news section that's down at the bottom? Is it pulled up front and center as you scroll through the homepage? Like there are different ways to make it more prominent if it's if it's important. But definitely the environment and the distribution of it is is really important. Yeah, get get that content to people becomes the the next mission. I, I think a lot of people forget about that part and and you spend so much time creating it. You want people to actually consume it and and go with you on this. So I think it definitely needs as much, if not more, consideration to just Absolutely. get that word out. And it's a lot yeah. of support too. It's it's beyond the piece itself. Right. It's it's these other yeah. things that have to work together to get that done. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the newsletter, because I have to tell you, um, there is a newsletter. I believe you work with Cruise and Co. I do. On their newsletter. I do. You are you are the the content queen behind that newsletter. And I would just direct everyone and we'll link to it. Cruise and Co. Dot com and there is a newsletter. Sign up for this thing. It is fascinating. I'd love to pick your brain on this. What? Because I don't read newsletters. I think I read two, and that's one of them, right? And so, <laughs> I, it's not a high bar. I just have like a, a like a bar for I just don't have time and tolerance mm-hmm. for malarkey. I don't know. It's a terrible word. Too much caffeine. But I just, I just don't have time for BS and silly things. And so it's like, but this newsletter 
it comes out. I feel like it comes from Eric, who's the founder. And I like Eric. And so I read the thing and it's in a, it's in a voice. It's almost like Eric's emailing me. Can you talk to me about, you know, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, what kind of thought process has gone into this particular newsletter? Yeah, absolutely. So when Eric and I first talked about doing the newsletter together, um, we've been doing it a long time. We've been doing it probably since I was freelancing, honestly, um, kind yeah. of right at the end of freelancing about to transition into actually building my company. And he, I will give Eric a lot of credit. Um, we landed on the voice of the entrepreneur, which I believe was his idea. That's the name of the newsletter. And he said, I want it to be for entrepreneurs. I want it to be casual. And in my voice, I want to send it every single week. I want to send it at 6.30 a.m. This is when people will look at it. Um, he, and to me, what that indicated, and I think what it's proven out is that he understood his audience very deeply. Mm. Oh, and it, and it should be 500 words or less. That was the other thing. So, and in the early days, there were some times where he was like, cut it 20%, you know? Oh, and I want a yeah. skimmer and a skimmer's recap that came on, you know, through our conversations very quickly too, right? So first and foremost, the client had an under, my client had a deep, deep, deep understanding of his audience. And that's just like, you got to start there, right? He knew what they mm. wanted. He knew what he would want. Eric, uh, like I talked about, an entrepreneur who now has come up and is a CEO of a consulting company that helps entrepreneurs, but he's been his audience. He knows his audience. Right. He's done the work. One of the things, you know, we, just like we do with all of our clients, we did an interview process. One of the things that I think was different was that this was always an email first. And so we knew it would be shorter versus a, a blog post that you are then sort of delivering via email. So it's always intended to be an email newsletter. We always know. Does it, it ever casual. become a blog or does it stay in email? We do post it on our blog, but actually that's not the, the primary delivery is most people just, they're subscribed and that's how they see it. Yeah. Okay. And we're kind of, we're always evaluating the best way to use it. We've played with like putting it on link, a LinkedIn newsletter or no, maybe we just really want the subscribers and to deliver via email. But I will say we consistently have, um, you know, continue to be able to stand out in people's inboxes. Um, I would say the other thing is Eric gave me a lot of freedom with it. Uh, he would talk through the ideas and I would kind of run with it. Um, I've spent a lot of time with Eric over the years, so I do feel like I kind of naturally have a sense of his voice. Um, but in terms of the actual process, it's what is the topic? The topics are still largely driven by him and what's relevant to him, what's relevant in his work, what he's seeing and hearing from companies on a regular basis. I ask him a bunch of questions. I take a ton of notes. I, it's not a perfect transcript, but I do a lot of writing down his exact phrases and things like that. We record the call now too. You know, we're much more, we're much fancier now. I used to just work from the notes I took. So I had to get You're really so good at taking podcast, notes. You're so close to podcast, You're so close. <laughs> You're so close. So, um, <laughs> so we, and then honestly, I go away and I had a lot of freedom to shape it. Um, and I think, the style of that newsletter is honestly a, a blend of Eric's speaking style and my personal writing style at this point. Um, if you read my own newsletter, To the Letter, um, from Every Little Word, which maybe we can include also, um, th there's a, yeah. there is a similarity in the style, right? Because I, I have a pretty defined um, style as a writer. And there was like a lot of permission there, I think, and a lot of faith. So Eric, really, um, again, sticks close to the customer. Mm -hmm. He and I have figured out what works for us in terms of how we work together. And uh, I think he had a good sense of himself in terms of how much and how tightly he wanted to manage this and how tightly he wanted to say, that's good, like good enough as in, would I say everything exactly like this? I don't know, but based on, the time constraints that I have and, and all of that, like send this, you know, yeah. um, like that he didn't let the need to tweak it to be perfectly exactly what he would say, hold him back from getting it out every single week. That's how I'd say that. 
Ah, okay. Yeah. So he didn't let that hold him up. It's smart too. Now that I realize it, that email is so much more coherent and easier to understand than Eric, you know, shout out to Eric. So clearly your writing style is doing something. So well, lest I, he get too, you know, much ego and think that he just, you, you are clarifying because that email reads so well. That's I what know. I love about the written word, to be honest, is that, yeah. you know, a medium like video or like talking to someone in person, there is a, an element, right, of, of a personal charisma and kind of a personal force that can be very persuasive. But mm. when you're on video, you know, I'm also kind of fudge. Like this podcast won't have a clear through line for every single statement I'm making, right? You can kind what? of get around it and like yeah. dodge and weave a little bit. And when you write something down, you know, there's a, a commitment. There's a sentence structure. You've got to care that the, the ideas actually, 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 actually make sense. And I, I think sometimes in content that gets either seen as table stakes which it isn't, go read content, yeah. or viewed as not important. But to me, those are, that is the foundation of actually conveying ideas. Like good writing isn't a, a bonus for conveying good ideas. It, it is the, the way that you do it. And it writing is. something down forces it to be specific. Yes. It forces it to decide what exactly is it that I want to say here? Because... Um, you have to put one word after another, you know, it's got to be, um, yeah, it's got to be precise. Got to be precise. Yeah. And, and that just, you know, a different kind of medium, whereas we can kind of ramble or have fun or I can make fun of Eric frequently on a written piece, you know, it would be clarified and maybe we'd get rid of some of that or yep. leave it depending on what we're going for. But you're right. Yeah. It's a different kind. And I think people have different expectations when they come to either hear a conversation mm -hmm. Or they, they come to read something. Yeah, totally. And even if you think about like skimmability, right? Like video is not skimmable kind of for that reason. Yes. Written word. Great point. I want someone to read every single word, of course. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a little bit different. Right. And I think sometimes people try to confuse the two. You know, oh, let's make a podcast skimmable. Okay, but you still can't skim it, you know. <laughs> You can skim the notes, the show notes. Right. Even if it's a five-minute podcast, you still can't skim it. You can put it at speed three, but yeah. that's, you know. So just, you know, stay true to the format that you're in and and do the best for that particular format. Totally. I mean, I'm I'm all for being concise and brief, you know, especially in writing. And right. I'm kind of a down-to-business kind of person. But when I listen to certain podcasts, like, I I do listen to the banter. If I like their particular right. banter, I'm I'm bought in. I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I'm here for. Like, you know, um, that dynamic is part of that medium. It's really it's really an important part. Right. I'm here for the banter, and if you want to feed me some nuggets along the way, I'd be super thankful. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to when you're reading it, unless it's a fictional sci-fi book on your reading list like you're you're here to learn yeah and move on so meeting their expectations uh is pretty cool and also i i definitely picked up on you talking about how eric was what i was picturing writing for himself or having you know directing this yeah. thing to be something that he wants to read yeah okay he probably wants to read something like that at 6 30 in the morning i'm not up well maybe i am i i am i wish i wasn't but i'm up uh but yeah, so he's he's thinking about himself as the customer and and creating from there. It's cool. Yeah, and I I think this is a reason that I when we start working with a new client, for example, like we are always going to ask about your audience and things like that, but I feel pretty strongly that that should be more of a a capture and a knowledge transfer conversation and not a like if we not a, we're building out the, the profile of the person you're talking to right now. Uh, if you don't know that, you can get into trouble and you can end up with like, this is where you get like a piece that dies in a Google comment war, right? Between stakeholders, <laughs> a piece that, sure. because there isn't consensus. And 
your audience, your value proposition, those aren't content things. Those are company things and they need to be Mm. determined at the company level. You know, at the end of the day, content is, it's, it's a, it's a piece of the pie and it's, it's like a little farther down the food chain, like of, of, you know, there's the company, there's market, and you know, content's a piece of that. Like I'm, I'm very aware of that, right? And so I'm always suspicious of this idea of like your content strategist is going to help you develop the persona for your audience because like, well, what about the, the services you're selling? What about the, like, what about your sales yeah, team? What about your delivery you. team? What about your product? What about like, your corporate strategy to hire new customers, like, is this, I don't think it should come from, we wrote a blog post and now let's figure out who it's for, you know? Right. Or we wrote a blog post and it got a thousand likes. So we're going to shift the company's strategy over to this other area. (laughs) Uh, And this brings up, I think one of my, my final questions on this topic, because this has just been so good. The idea of feedback, you know, sometimes we create and then we, we stop, even podcasts, you stop if it's too hard, you're not working with a vendor like yourself on, on thought leadership. So you need some help, but also the feedback. It, talk to me about how you can get feedback and maybe, I don't know, if you don't get it, then do you lose your excitement for creating the thought leadership? How do you make it not all about the likes, but at the same time? know what people want and don't want? How do you balance all that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, you do want to decide what metrics are going to be important and track them for sure. Yep. Um, I would say also don't, don't discount the qualitative feedback. So, you know, I'll go back to that newsletter for an, as an example, that newsletter has great open rates, open rates, I believe over 40% consistently every single week. Um, that newsletter is not, not really optimized for a lot of action thereafter. There, there are links in it. You know, you can, you can click a link. You can also just as easily respond to the email and say, please help me. You know, if you want to buy, um, you could, there are all sorts of ways you could come in. So we have to kind of choose what metrics matter to us. We can't just pick a bunch of blanket metrics. It's like, what is this content optimized to do? Right. Same thing on LinkedIn, right? If you're doing in-feed content and you want people to just consume the content, this is always what's been most important to me. I want people to read what we write. I, I don't care as much about sending them this place, that place and, and ping-ponging them around. The point is, if you're optimizing for in-feed content, don't, don't measure success based on how many website visits you got as click-throughs from your posts. So, that there's that, but then the qualitative too, right? And um, like, if you're out there, if you're in your network, if you're talking to people, you may not get um, measurable stuff, but someone will say, I, I love your emails. I, I read all your emails, or I got something really valuable out of your newsletter. So don't ignore that part just because it's not as easy to quantify. Uh, and then you can also ask, you know, customers, customers you trust, like ask them, ask them what they think ask them how, how it's perceived. So I think it's a combination of both things. Um, and also know that like anything, it takes patience and it's not, it's not a, an overnight sensation kind of thing. You can never plan on that. Right. Yeah. Slow and steady. It sounds like, as opposed to trying to run a race on thought leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you'll get better at it too and, and probably bolder over time. And, and it's going to sound bad, but uh, sometimes I think it can be a little liberating in the beginning to feel like you're a little bit yelling into the void because you just get practice at yelling. You know? Sure. <laughs> like, you don't have to worry about anyone yelling back and be like, great content. You're like, oh no, somebody actually read that. <laughs> so it's not, it's, I don't want that to be mistaken for, it doesn't matter if anyone reads it. Like, of course, of course, yes, it does. Of course, of course it does. That's yeah. the point of sharing it. It's not just self-expression, right? It's not just for you. Um, right. There's an aspect of that, but that's, you know, we're talking in a business context here. It's not, right. it's not a journal. Um, but I think sometimes it can help folks get over the hump of saying like, look, this is going to start small. And if that makes it feel a little bit lower stakes for you, 
that that's okay. Well, where can people connect with you? They want to get help with their thought leadership, have a conversation, work with you even. Like, where do they go? What do they do? You are welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn, Kristen Sweeney. I'll send you the link, Casey, so we can have that. Uh, And then our website, everylittleword.co. That's not a mistake, .co. Um, Who needs the M? Life's too short. Yeah, life's too short. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Save your letters, people. Uh, okay, great. So we can reach out LinkedIn. And by the way, everyone listening, it's in the show notes, right? So you click on your app, you scroll down past all the cool takeaways. And there are a lot of them on this particular episode. Past all that, you have all the links to LinkedIn, website, all that. Just click right through. Say hi. And don't forget to say where you heard this amazing content on the pod. So don't forget to, to uh, say hi from the pod. Kristen, this has been awesome. Casey, likewise. This is better than the last one. I'm I'm afraid to have you on for a third time because <laughs> how do you do? I feel like I'm very clear on thought leadership. I'm actually excited to do more of it now. And I understand what it isn't. I've got some great, almost like a little counseling session on being bold and unique and <laughs> letting yourself shine through in that content you create, what it is. And expertise and yeah, thank you, thank you so much for being on here and sharing all of this with me and with everyone else that's listening. You're welcome. It's such a privilege. Always, always a joy talking to you. Hundred percent. And we didn't even talk about musicals this time. Uh, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. I literally ran out of space. I had to go to size ten font with my writing. <laughs> then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader, but put put your take on it. How do you feel? What did this podcast inspire you to do? Share that with someone and then tag us and we'll hop in there like Comet Ninjas and have a good time and, and spread the good word. So awesome, awesome. Kristen, thank you again. Thank you, Casey. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time. Thank you